Hi there, welcome back to The Drop, the Amen Breaks podcast. This week we are speaking to Rob Jones, who is the owner and chief instructor of Producer Tech. So, let's get into it. The Drop. First and foremost, thank you very much for joining me today. Um, I'm actually kind of fanboying a little bit at the moment because <laughs> really? um, I, uh, you know, I've watched an awful lot of the the content and footage uh, that you've created for Producer Tech, <laughs> and uh, I myself am a student of um, Producer Tech, so I've been watching a lot of your videos, um, a lot of the content that you, you've been creating, um, and I'm incredibly frustrated at how simple and easy you make it look and how <laughs> difficult it is for me to, <laughs> to put all these bits and pieces um, together but uh, I, I love the work you do I love producer tech um, honestly I found uh, the stuff that you do on there uh, has improved um, my own music creation process and sound and things like that absolutely no end you know um That's and, awesome. uh, like i say you know it's um a glowing endorsement uh you know for for producer tech um and it really is a fantastic awesome site and i've learned a, a great deal from it um and we'll continue to uh, to be a member and we'll continue to learn uh, and use the things i recently just went and did your um uh your music theory yeah uh, course um, I mean, I did act, when I was at school. I actually did A level music, but that was um, a number of years ago. And theory, honestly, was was never really my thing. Um, I was much more of a, a performer. Yeah. Um, so I sang. I played the saxophone. Um, and you know, performing was easy for me. You know, I can yeah. read music. I can I can play music. But then when you have to sort of get behind that and put it all together, it's uh, it's a completely different game. And, yeah. You know. The, the theory side of things was always very, very tricky for me. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the stuff that you've done uh, in that theory course made it so, so clear and simple uh, and has really helped me uh, in terms of my own music production. So I'd just like to say thank you for, uh, for doing that. You're absolutely um, welcome. I mean, I, I'm, by the way, my background is sort of similar as well in that I was definitely more on the performance side um, and the technical stuff I kind of shied away from a little bit um, <clears throat> initially, I don't mean technical, uh, you know, sound technology, I mean, music theory and that side of things and, and actually doing scales and going through things, the kind of classical route. I sort of veered, I veered mm. off into jazz and, you know, more improvised kind of expressive type things early on. But, um, but yeah, like the theory is definitely some of the hardest stuff for, for most producers, I, I think, um, unless they have that classical training or, you know, that kind of background. Um, but yeah, that theory course is fun to make. I mean, I really enjoyed making it and it's really, really nice to hear that kind of feedback, man. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, like I say, I mean, it's absolutely fantastic. And uh, just to sort of further that point about, <clears throat> sorry, you know, having that classical background, you know, I did have the, the classical background, you know, I did have to do all the scales and arpeggios and, uh, you know, all those sorts of things. And um, for those people out there who are listening and, uh, have either never played an instrument or are just sort of trying to get into music and stuff like that. Um, there, there is a point where you get to that you have to do something called grade five theory. <laughs> yeah. And you can actually, if you're smart, if you can actually do something called practical musicianship, 
which allows you to skip because you can't do any higher grades past grade five, I think it is. Yeah. Um, so you can't go on to the, to the higher level grades of, of music um, testing mm. until you do either practical musicianship or grade five theory. Yeah. And practical musicianship um, basically just allows people who aren't so good at theory to be able to continue and, and, uh, and practice. So um, I actually did that. Um, I did uh, practical musicianship when I was at school because I found the theory really, really difficult. Yeah. Um, so there's a you know a cheeky little workaround for anyone out there who is uh, who's struggling with the theory. Yeah. Um, if you're not struggling with the theory, then you should definitely go out and check those um, uh, those videos out on Producer Tech anyway. Yeah. Um, so, like I say, thanks for for coming on today. Um, um, what I wanted to talk to you about today was is just you and and talk about Producer Tech and and how that came to be and. Um, you know all the things around it as well because um you seem to have this uh this position within the the field of music that not many people want to occupy um everyone is uh you know very focused on the bright lights of the main stage as it were mm. and what people don't seem to realize is that it a lot of hard work has to go into the stuff that that these people do in order to get to that that main stage thing. So talk to me about how Producer Tech sort of started. How did you come up? Well, I mean, I know that Producer Tech is now the the amalgamation of very of various other websites and, you know, courses and things like that that you've done. Um, but, you know, where did where did all this start? How did it come about? <laughs> how far back shall I go? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> do you want me to do you want me to just start with um start with sort of the the formings of the company or should i go a little bit further back into my life yeah a little bit yeah a little bit back into into your life and you know your experiences that brought you to um to you know creating producer tech as it were or the, or the first steps to creating music courses yeah okay um yeah so i guess I, I i won't go into it in too much detail but my my origins are actually in uh yeah performance being on stage i was on stage from the age of about seven um, <clears throat> and then I, I had a kind of um, acting performance career that just ballooned when I was young. So I had a really successful acting career between the ages of, uh, I'd say, 10 and 14. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah, no, it was, it was great. It was like um, amazing stuff. Like I did an opera at Glyndebourne. I did a play at the Royal Shakespeare Company and the Barbican in London. Um, I did um, Oliver in the West End. Oh, nice. Yeah, and then and eventually a kind of TV role. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, it was just one kind of really awesome job after the next kind of escalating in, in size. So after that, I, I was desperate, obviously, to be an actor to keep that going. Um, mm -hmm. But I concentrated on school. And then when I came back to it, it didn't go so well. <laughs> so so after, um, yeah, after being on that path, of, you know, sure that I wanted to be an actor and, you know, go straight on, onto stage or TV or film or whatever. Um, that had that got shut down quite rapidly, and I had to decide where to go next. And um, I, because I had the background in music, and because I had I'd done quite well at school, even though I didn't want to go to university. Uh, a family friend said, "Well, why don't you? Um, if I if I got good grades, if I got your grades, I would have gone to do this course, the Tom Meister course at the University of Surrey." 
which I had no clue of at the time. I, I was kind of making my own tracks with a sort of view to maybe being some kind of artist, you know. Um, yeah. No real, no real concept of the, the actual, you know, marketing that would have had to go into that and building myself up as an artist, anything like that. I just enjoyed making mm. beats. <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I've still got the, I've still got the CD. I should have brought it out. It's really embarrassing. <laughs> it's my, my attempt at making, uh, making a kind of pop album, I guess. I mean, some of the beats are, you know, interesting enough, but it's just all over the shop. Um, so yeah, so he recommended I, I went and did that course, which I did um and that was that gave me the real kind of foundations because it's a really it's a very academic course because you have you have to have um music maths and physics to get into it so it's it's very oh, wow. yeah it's very technical it's pretty heavy going um and so i was kind of thrown into this academic world having not wanted to go to university at all and so that was a bit um a bit full on um but i learned obviously tons and like I say, I won't go into it too much, but straight after that, I, I went straight into a marketing job at Focusrite uh, Innovation in the UK as a kind of product specialist, demo guy. Okay. Uh, and that, again, this is just like lightning speed kind of history here. But then I, I sort of moved away from the marketing, that side of things into more of the training. Okay. Because um, I, was, I was even writing manuals at that point, And I just thought, well, um, who wants to read a manual when they can watch a video? So, uh, so yeah, so I, that's kind of, Absolutely. that was the, that yeah. was the birth of tutorial videos. That was, that was where it all started. Well, I guess some people were doing it then, but that was certainly when I saw it start to appear in, in the audio industry about, it was about 2005 at that point, something like that. Um, yeah, so that was that was where that's that side of things started. Me sort of being on camera and uh, teaching people about products, rather than okay. rather than uh, yeah, writing it all down and <laughs> getting people. That to must read. have been a bit dry, um, <laughs> having to write a manual for something. Yeah. Um, do they do they like give you instructions on? And how did how did the, how how do you even write a manual for something like you know <laughs> the the process of learning or, or think ordering the stuff that you need to do for for and, and you said novation right yeah yeah I'm trying, I, can't, I can't remember so can't remember which ones I actually wrote um I guess it was there may have been some novation ones I was more like the brand manager of novation but I, I definitely wrote ah. the focus right stuff maybe like the liquid channel liquid mix uh that kind of fate that was yeah it, it, it is difficult to write for manual but at the same time it does, it does depend on your approach. If you just want to go through and systematically, yeah. you know, list all of the, all of the parts of the product and then, and then have it as more of a very detailed reference for people, then that's fine. But you could also have the approach of really trying to teach them practical situations where they use it. And so in many ways, it's kind of, it did lay the groundwork for me making courses later on, um, finding other approaches to sort of teaching people about, about something. Um, yeah, I mean, like I say, that's uh, that's an incredibly difficult thing to have to do as well, right? Because you've got to you've got to sit there and 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 read it, you know. When you've got somebody there to show you how to do it, like the videos that that you do on Producer Tech, yeah, it's a lot easier for people to sort of get their heads around, um, especially if they're beginners on uh, a lot of these things. Like a lot of people 
um, will be. So yeah. um, that makes a, a huge amount of, of sense to want to, to move that shift over from, from one to the other. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to inter interrupt. No, 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 all good. Please continue. All good, all good. Um, so, yeah, so then I, I ended up leaving Focus Right Innovation and uh, deciding to go freelance, just do it for myself. Um, moved to Berlin, that's where I live now. Um, and got a call from Matt Pelling from Loot Masters saying, I want to make this, I want to set up a website teaching people able to live. And are you interested in doing it? So, uh, so yeah, I, I basically made an Ableton live course. That was where it all started. Yeah. Uh, the website was live courses, live courses, live dash courses.com, I think. And, um, yeah, and it was really successful. Um, it only had the sort of two courses, the ones that you can see on the Produce Tech site, which are almost in their, yeah. almost in their original form. So if you watch them, apart from some modules I updated because the, the software's changed in those areas, uh, it's pretty much as it used to be. So it's like going back 12 years and seeing me with bleach blonde hair and, <laughs> and, and a dodgy camera. It just looks like Star Wars, <laughs> the original Star Wars movie or something. Um, yeah, so did that and then did uh, logic courses uh, website and logic and then reason and then a series of other websites blah 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 and then it all uh got pulled together into one um global sort of producer tech site um which yeah which has kind of changed uh form a few times over the years as we've sort of tried to keep up with the technology whilst having a, an incredibly small team um mm. and yeah and it's and it's been up and down it's been quite a crazy road but literally in the last year it's really kind of coming to its own and all those years of work have really helped it bloom into, into a fantastic website that I'm actually really proud of. So it's great. Yeah, no, that, that, that's awesome. Um, and I mean, roughly how many members do you have on the producer tech site at the moment? Uh, you mean sort of subscribers? Yeah. Yeah. So your people that, uh, you know, um, like yeah, members, like members. Like yeah. So, so we only launched it last December, so it was relatively new. And, and initially, you know, there were a few hundreds kind of coming in. Um, and then we did a, we've done some promotions and obviously with the coronavirus thing, uh, a lot more people start to make music. So it, it escalated quite rapidly. And now we're, now we have that literally thousands. So it, it really did um, blow up quite fast. And I, I don't know, you know, I don't know how many of those people are really engaging with the content much and, I'd imagine at least half of them probably aren't, um, aren't even doing it at all. It's probably a, always a freebie getting there, and you know. <laughs> but yeah. but we did see a big jump up and a big huge spike and real increasing engagement, which was awesome, especially for the for the webinars for the stuff I do for members uh, at the end of each month. So more interaction there, more more people viewing, uh, which is great. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that's awesome. Um, and like I say, I mean. I, I'm one of those many people that, that found myself with lots more time on my hands. And, you know, I, so um, I try to, to make drum and bass, okay? Yeah. Um, so I've looked at, uh, you know, a lot of the, if not most of the, the drum and bass video courses so far. Yeah. Uh, you know, the ones that you did with Rezo. Yeah. Um, those are pretty cool. Um, and... The problem with the problem with drum and bass, right, is is that it's very very high production value. It's really hard okay, to make. It's the hardest genre to make. Definitely, everyone agrees. Everyone agrees with that, pretty much. You know, these bass music styles are easily the hardest to make. 
and you know the stuff that you listen to as well coming out from you know all the all the pros as it were you know all these you know top level artists you sit there and you think how on earth do they do they make it sound like this you know mm -hmm. you can eq your kick drum until the cows come home right but it'll just never sound like they do it i don't know it's it's a tricky um uh it's a tricky proposition to to do and you know and like they say um drum and bass producers are notoriously um uh what's the word i'm looking for paranoid about the quality of the sound of the music that they're producing no doubt no doubt. you know especially when you've got such high level um peer groups delivering the same sort of thing you know so it must be uh, really really tough uh, for them, and, and you know, it's, like I say, it's even tough for me. Like I sit there and I go, "Oh man!" Like I listen to Caliber, and you know, Dimensions just released a new track, and you're like, "Oh man!" Like, and I know, right, that they have a team of people behind them as well to do the, the you know, the mastering and you know, proper mix downs and all these kind of things. Mm. And even then, right, they probably won't have to do a great deal yeah. to the track because these guys really know what they're doing. So, it, you know, from from my perspective, is I sit there and I go, "Oh man!" Like it's what I make is rubbish, you know, it should never be heard again outside of these speakers. And, um, you know, and then I, I look at the, the stuff that was being done on, uh, on producer tech for the, for the drum and bass um, courses. And, you know, you sit there and you think that you, you know it all. And, you know, you think that you, you've seen all the tutorials that there are, and then somebody somewhere just gives you that little nugget of information yeah. that sort of opens something out. So it's, um, uh, I found that my uh, my production skills have improved. I mean, I've got nothing really to compare them with because, um, you know, again, like I said, I think that everything that I make sounds rubbish, but <laughs> I'm sure if I played it to somebody else, they'd be like, oh, you know, it's, it's not awful. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's that's a big problem being, being well, I say that being, being too, getting the right level of critical about your own music is, is, is very crucial in, in producing the kind of result you're happy with. People are either too critical or not critical enough, um, and, yeah. and both are damaging. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and talk to me about your um, your music because, like, this is one of the things that I wanted to uh, to talk to you about. You know, there, there's every bass genre under the sun on producer tech, and you have a hand in most of it. You know, I know obviously there's some you know specialist courses like the drum and bass one with Reza. Yeah, um, but you know, you seem to have um, the ability to create each genre. Um, is that just through practice of, of stuff? Or did you set out and go, well, we need to have, you know, drum and bass, we need to have dubstep, we need to have house, we need to have future bass. I mean, how did that all come about? So I guess I, I, I have a very eclectic taste. Um, you know, my original background is in more rock and guitar styles. And then it transitioned like many people, no doubt, into sort of you know, fueled by Fatboy Slim and Chemical Brothers and Prodigy <laughs> into into yeah. other styles, plus a nice smattering of um, jump up drum and bass by, you know, urban takeover guys and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, and then obviously millions of stars after that. So I've got I've got um, lots of stars I like, and and I'm obviously obsessed with electronic music and production. So so when I make my tutorials. I'd like to keep it varied. I also like to keep it accessible to as many people as possible. So I, I change up the style as much as I can in each sort of, in each kind of generic tutorial. Um, so I keep my courses very much based on 
just making electronic music in general. Um, I mean, it, bear in mind, I've never produced a drum and bass track. <laughs> I've only made drum and bass in my tutorials. I've never gone that next step. And I'm, I can't wait to eventually have a go at it. I definitely want to bring out uh, or, or, yeah, release somewhere on some form, whether it's on a label or just on Bandcamp, some kind of drum and bass EP. I'd be ashamed at myself if I haven't managed that. But at the moment, I'm very much focused on, on breaks, um, yeah. which I stopped releasing... I was when I first moved to Berlin. I was very much um, adamant that I was going to release tracks and and you know become a more of an established artist. And I got signed to quite a lot of labels. And um, but the break scene is sort of well at that point it was kind of on on a bit of a decline. Uh, it was definitely on the way down. Sure. And it um, a lot of the best breaks producers just started producing other other styles. So that the end the scene kind of fell apart a little bit. Um, and I guess I, I was more focused on other things like making tutorials and, um, yeah, generally working. So it's only now that I'm actually picking back up again on releasing breaks and I've got two or three tracks coming out and I'm really, I'm really focused on it now. I've got quite a few other tracks just in the back burner kind of waiting to be, to be developed. Um, and I'm loving it. I'm actually, I've forgotten how much I love, <laughs> you know, um, really focusing on the producing and really making music rather than just doing it in the tutorials but i guess in a way that's probably what makes a lot of the tutorials good for other people is that that was my outlet for producing well it was my only outlet for quite a long time yeah um so maybe that comes across and the kind of general joy i have for making music in the in the tutorials yeah um yeah no it's, it's awesome to see as well because um you know uh so again uh, one of the the big sort of challenges that i have for creating uh, drum and bass is um, the bass lines. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, you would have thought that that would be a pretty uh, pretty important part of, uh, of drum and bass production. Yeah. Um, and it was, you know, how do people come up with these things? How do they put them together? And, and then I um, I saw that uh, the, the blog article that you did on, um, you know, on creating bass lines and things like that. And I watched the video and I was just like, Oh wow! You know, it, it, all right. So that was for like a house baseline, mm. and you know, so it wasn't necessarily applicable um, musically, sonically for for drum and bass. But the process of that, yeah, uh, you know, is it, effectively the same, and it works really nicely to be able to you know put something together that that sounds good. Yeah. Um. So the the inspiration that you get out of showing things how to be done yeah. uh, is really, really uh, positive for, for everyone, you know? Um, yeah. I like, I, you know, I just like the, the simplicity of it and, and how it all sort of comes together for the, and again, there's, there's the, the jealousy uh, coming out in me as well, <laughs> you know, so ah, it makes it so, look so easy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, no, it's cool. Um, so, I mean, what's, what, um, you say you, creating some music and, uh, you know, having it released and stuff like that. I mean, is there any sort of like firm dates or anything? I mean, where would we be able to hear it? What's, you know, your sort of stage name, if you have one? Yeah. You know, how does... Yeah, I'm going to start releasing on the on the Anarchy Rice uh, artist again. If you go to the Anarchy Rice SoundCloud page, you'd see a whole assortment of tracks on there. It's all going to be, well, actually, if I do veer into drum and bass, I will put it on there. I think I'd just do it all under Anarchy Rice. I used to think Anarchy Rice was a stupid name because, well, it is a stupid name. 
if you if <laughs> if you think about the why I actually name myself that because it's have you heard of Annika Rice? Maybe not. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you, yeah, yeah, okay. Rice, yeah. yeah, so so that was just a, a joke one morning after probably being up all night where we said, Anarchy Rice, <laughs> it's genius. Yeah. We all laughed a lot. And then I just went with that because I was terrible at coming up with names. Um, and obviously, it's a private joke that only applies to sort of people within a certain age range in the UK. So it's not really yeah. the most, you know, well, it doesn't have necessarily the most potential internationally. But um, I went with it. And um, and yeah, I've just come back to it now and think, yeah, it's just, it's the one I've released the most tracks under. And um, and I've got someone making a logo right now. So I've just thought, oh yeah, let's just, let's just go with it. Let's make it look, look professional, yeah. get a nice logo and I'll just keep going with that. So, so yeah, Anarchy Rice SoundCloud page. Right now there's, there's not that much new stuff on there. Um, but yeah, a few months from now, it should be looking much healthier. And maybe a few months after that, it should have some drum and bass on there, hopefully. That'd be great. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, what does that mean for, uh, for producer tech? Does that mean that that's going to take a slightly, um, uh, a slight step into the background? Will <laughs> you still be producing as much content? Or? There's, there's absolutely no way it could take a step. I, I'm the, <laughs> I'm the person that runs the whole company. Not, not quite right. single-handed, but, um, we have, you know, we have a web, uh, director, I'm the course director. And, and yeah, other people make courses for me, um, but I'm still, I'm still the sort of main and sole content creator. Um, I also have, you know, a marketing guy now and stuff like that. I'm kind of one by one getting rid of more tasks again, like admin and tech support, um, yeah. stuff like that. But even the tech support I like to do, I like to keep as much personal as I can, especially with members. I, I'm always going to try mm. and reply personally to as many of them as I can, even if it gets ridiculous. But um um, yeah, so it's not going to, that's not going to change at all. I'm just, I'm just like, yeah, just, I'll just stop sleeping and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't go out. I mean, that's why the lockdown was, was good, wasn't it? Just, um, definitely productivity went even higher than it was already, which was already kind of ridiculous. I do work a lot of hours generally. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you come up with, um, I, I mean, it's, it's probably going to sound like a bit of a silly question really because you know the the number of things that you can talk about and do within music is infinite but yeah. how do you come up with the the ideas for your courses um and it, so for example you recently um did one for scalar i watched the one for scalar too yeah um and you know, there's plugins and, and things like that coming out every single day. I mean, did did the guys from Plugin Boutique reach out to you and say, hey, we're releasing this. Can you do a tutorial for us? Um, you know, how do you make those decisions? Yeah, exactly that. It's um, we work. That's one thing I didn't really say go into much when I was talking about how Produce Tech came about. But obviously, there's the Loop Masters connection there with mm. with um, the, the main man at uh, Loop Masters being the original kind of one who had the idea about produce tech in the first place but um we're very closely connected those three companies um loop masters yeah. plugin boutique so so you know some a lot of our courses have been with other artists have been artists that make uh, sample packs say or preset packs or stuff for loop masters so that's been the kind of connection there and also because we're connected to loop masters um we're in a kind of enviable position of having this enormous library of samples at our disposal yeah. when we make courses which is which is superb. And as far as plugin boutique goes, it's more 
we like to help them out with yeah um with tutorials to sort of support particularly their own plugins but other sort of pop popular yeah. plugins as well because it just means their enormous um community on there have just a bit more extra kind of support and yeah help getting to know stuff when they buy it um so that's that's yeah it's it's mostly that kind of that kind of thing uh the courses i'm doing next are um redos of the ableton logic and probably reason as well courses that um like i said are very yeah because they've all um they've all had updates on the on the system haven't they yeah um ableton live i mean i say that 10 because uh, i use ableton yeah um and i upgraded from 10 uh, sorry from from 9 to 10 um when it came out yeah um but that was a that was a little while ago and i know they're doing minor updates all the time i can't can't remember what version they're up to now but um uh yeah ableton 10 came out quite quite a while ago now but the new logic one people seem to be getting excited about um yeah it's so got I mean, some big you, you get access to that yeah uh, what the the software yeah yeah so do they, again do they just call you up and say or, or are you ableton and logic logic certified i'm ableton certified so i mean i was one of the original uh, certified trainers there since 2009 now there's Oh, awesome. Now there's hundreds, but um, back then there weren't many of us. Uh, and I have a very close relationship with Ableton. Um, one of, well, my best mate here that I um, pretty much moved over with from the UK, who used, used to work at Focusrite, is the Ableton sales and marketing director. And, oh, cool. and I've got tons of friends in the company and yeah, I just love the software. So yeah, close connection to them, not well, no, no real connection with Apple. I had a few people I used to know on the Logic Pro team back in the day, but I don't really speak to them much. And I just have the app, so that just updates. But there's no real, no real, um, yeah, communication with Apple about any of that. Um, Reason, yeah, we, no, I know the uh, Propeller Heads guys. Actually, they've changed the name now to Reason Studios, haven't they? But um, yeah, yeah, I know, know one or two people there. But again, it's sort of I haven't been in touch that much generally but um yeah as far as the courses go the um the content is still is still basically good even in the old courses because even when they update things mm. all the instruments are still there um you know and two-thirds of the course probably teaches instruments and effects that are largely unchanged uh the, the bits of the course that out outdate um will go out of date are the sort of workflow ones um they just yeah they they when they change something and certainly if if you come in as a complete beginner the last thing you're going to want is to see software that seems even if it isn't quite different from what you've got <laughs> you know so uh, yeah so these are the things i update first on the course so the courses that are there now ableton live and logic have the first four or five modules updated just to make sure that that's um easy to follow for a beginner and then after that uh, everything's kind of cool but i've changed that i've changed the structure now uh in the those original courses used to be aimed to teach people how to produce um you know every single stage of production so you had your learn about compression um mm. you know eq various techniques like that in there introduction to sampling synthesizing and what i've done now is i've stripped those out of the courses and they've now got their own 
you know, separate generic courses, as you've probably seen, EQ fundamentals, beginning to, begin, yeah. to go to theory, stuff like that. So the new courses on the software are going to be more uh, just focused on the software itself and not going into certain techniques. So they're, they're going to be designed to complement those other courses. Um, yeah, so it's a slight change to the kind of structure, the way I'm, I'm doing it. But I think it'll give you a much more comprehensive experience than trying to teach someone everything about comp compression within this sort of Ableton Live course, you know? Yeah. So, and like I um, said before, how do, you, how do you make the decisions on, um, you know, what sort of music uh, courses that you're, you're going to create, you know? Like, um, yeah. again, it's... Uh, there's a million and one things that you can talk about in 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 music and, and within each genre and stuff like that as well. Yes. So, I mean, do you have like a just do you just sit down and just write a bunch of ideas down, or do you get info from the from the team that you work with? Well, the yeah yeah definitely. There's there's some feedback, um, and like I say, some of it is sort of driven by other companies and other people. Um, but by and large, I'd say you know a lot of the courses I'm making right now are more kind of expanded versions of and updated versions of the bits from those original courses like i'm saying so so you've got the synthesizing bit and the sampling bit so i've taken those out in and and built generic courses you know just focused on those with the idea that those courses are suitable for anyone no matter what software they have and that way i can kind of build up a, a series of what i call core courses which are all of the main considerations you need to know when producing um, expanded out into a whole kind of series that I can, you know, put together a diploma or, you know, sort of syllabus for a curriculum. Yeah. Where people can kind of follow each of those courses to, to learn as much as they can about each thing. So I'm kind of, a lot of my time at the moment is dedicated to developing that. Uh, and it's still going to, it's going to take a few years before I've got all of them done alongside all the other stuff as well. So that's, that's one of the things I'm kind of doing in the background, um, alongside these other kind of courses like Scalar like you say, that kind of come in and uh, land on my plate in the meantime. Um, so, so that's the sort of main driving force, really. But occasionally someone will, yeah, the theory course is kind of, they came from Matt from Loop Masters. He just said, we should, have we got any theory courses? And I was like, yeah, we've got, I've done one on Machina. And that's about it. And he's like, we should have more theory. I was like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> we should do some theory. So I, so I did those. And yeah. They're... yeah the, and the, I don't know if you've ever looked at any of the other theory sort of courses and stuff that you can find online but it's no. incredibly academic and incredibly boring yeah um so and, and again like i mean i know some i know some very very talented musicians right um that are you know not in the uh, in, well one of them is um i don't know if you know of a guy called uh midland i do uh, he I do, yeah. is a yeah so uh, he's my friend i went to school with him oh cool um harry his name is mm -hmm. um and uh you know again very talented musician um but didn't do any really of the, the of the theory stuff um whereas i now i then know uh, an another guy who is the organist at he's gonna kill me when i get this wrong <laughs> i want to say westminster cathedral okay um I'm, I'm not sure, but you know, in the you know upper echelons of um, that sort of thing, you know, he had a um, uh, an organ scholarship to 
Oxford, oh, I wow. think. Okay. So he had the Arco scholarship. Yeah. Um, you know, just like an incredibly talented musician, pitch perfect, you know, could basically pick up any instrument and start playing it immediately, you know. Um, uh, so, oh, I forgot where I was going with these. Um, uh, theory, oh, yeah, the theory side yeah. of things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, the theory is like, it can be incredibly boring to do. Yeah. And it is a very sort of academic side of things. Mm. And what your course does, especially the theory one, is it makes that not boring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great. Um, That's my aim. That's my uh, aim. That's my aim. 100% my aim is to, yeah, to make it all fun and interesting and, and sound good. You know, I like to think that that's that's one thing that um, perhaps we perhaps just elevates us over other tutorial makers is that I always try and keep the music quality as high as possible. Obviously it's subjective. Can't say yeah. better than anyone else. I just try and really focus on the quality of the music and also, yeah, just keeping it as interesting as possible. Yeah. 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 It's a wonderful thing to be able to do and sort of sit there. Cause again, you know, theory has always been, uh you know a tricky thing for me and and that that's what gets me frustrated when i'm producing music as well yeah is that i sit there and i'm like this should work but it doesn't and i can't understand why it doesn't yeah. and so the um the the short little video that you you made about creating uh, uh, oh no actually no it wasn't the short video it was the end video it was like the 16 minute long one about putting it all together uh, you know, without using um, like a keyboard or anything like that. Yeah. And the and the tip that you had of you know using the A flat minor, all the white keys, you know, going up in the scale, yeah. folding it down, yeah. and then dragging it out and using it along there, so you know that the only keys that you have, and then possibly even using a scaler to map the keys, so that the only sound that you can actually have is those keys. I thought it was genius. I was like, <laughs> How did I? How did I not like work something like that out before? Because then I know that if I'm using everything in the same key, then I don't have to worry about you know any of the samples that are um, that are coming in. And again, I know that must that must sound incredibly uh, simplistic, especially to uh, people who are good at you know music theory and things like that. And they go, well, yeah, of course it all has to be in the same key. Uh, <laughs> not but, at all. You know, when you yeah, you know, a sample that you use might not be in the same key. No, right? Yeah. That's so it. You, even though you're playing something in the right key, the sample itself might not be, which therefore makes it sound wrong. Yeah. And that's, you know, what uh, what drives me wild. But that'll never happen to me again now because I know how to use uh, hey. the, the pitch scaler <laughs> and I know how to use all these things. Yay, excellent. So, uh, yeah, expect, expect to hear loads of music from me now and it will be wonderful and fantastic. Perfectly tuned. Yeah, great. Oh, it's really nice to hear you mention that specific technique because I was actually really proud of that one. <laughs> I, um, cause I hadn't really thought of the folding thing before in relation to that. I've never done anything like it before. Uh, and this is what I yeah. mean is making these courses, you come up with these ideas through these little, you know, sparks of creativity. Uh, and then you think, God, that's, yeah, that's, that's great. So I was really quite proud of that technique. <laughs> so really glad to hear you found it useful. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah, no, I did. It's great. It's a, it's a really, really wonderful um, thing. And again, like that's what, that's the sort of thing that, because uh, I think what a lot of people get uh, stuck with, especially in uh, electronic dance music production, mm. is that, um, you know, they sort of get lost in the in the door, and they get lost uh, with all the technology and plugins and things like that. Mm -hmm. And it can be a bit overwhelming to sit there and look at these 
you know, systems and, and things like that. And the workflow, I think, slows people down. Yeah. And then what happens is because it's taking a long time, they then start to doubt what it is that they're doing. Yeah. And that sort of slows the, the process down. So having these things that speed uh, that element of things up yeah. could really help. Because, you know, sometimes you sit there and you, you make a beat and you're like, oh, yeah, that, that, you know, that sounds really good. And you've pretty much got all the elements that you want for that track. Yeah. And then you have to then switch to the arrangement, um, you know, view of things as well. So that um, sometimes that can go quite nicely. Uh, and you know that the quicker that you sort of lay all these things down, yeah. the more productive and more likely you are to finish things. I mean, I don't know if that's the same sort of for you, but it's, you know, how, how I work. I tend to find that if I get some, if I get to a point where I'm stuck and then I stop, and then I come back to it. I'm I'm not very likely to finish that track or or, or you know work process. Um, so those sorts of things are, are really um, valuable and useful to to me at least. Anyway, I hope that everyone else uh, finds it useful. Yeah. Um, for <clears throat> sorry for for all of these um, courses that we're running. Mm -hmm. um, when you're making these courses. Mm. Um, how is it that you uh, you put them all together? You said that you know it's just you and you know camera and things like that. Uh, what, what's the process that you use to to build these out? Um, I'm glad you asked. It's um, it's kind of changed a bit uh, recently, and that I do a lot more live stuff. Uh, the the original format, which kind of held true for I don't know nearly. About eight to ten years maybe was everything 100% scripted um, it's a it's a almost painstaking process <laughs> the scripting bits kind of fun you know coming up with the ideas structure each lesson writing the script um, and then I uh, and then I would shoot everything I'd record my voiceover edit my voiceover uh, play it play it back capture the screens to my recorded voice and then, and then do all the headshots um, to camera and then edit the whole lot together. So the process um, is a bit contrived and I pretty much managed to pull off, I'd say, albeit occasionally looking a bit wooden. Some people find it very difficult to do that kind of thing. Whereas for me, it was the easiest way to do it. Uh, and it also meant that my tutorials were flawless, <laughs> which is something you can't yeah. always say. With so, so that scripted style, although it takes ages, and when I say flawless, I just mean, you know, no ums, no ahs, um, all the kind of things you get in the real world. <laughs> um, and yeah, and, and I've also gone through the script slowly when I'm writing it and, and carefully. So I'd say, uh, you know, hopefully everything's completely accurate. Um, so yeah, that, that structure meant that the tutorials I produced were pretty perfect in the way that I have wanted them to be. But the actual time it took to do that took you know it's a seriously lengthy process which is why those first courses even though they were 12 hours long uh, in total took sort of nine months or whatever although back th oh, yeah wow. back then there was a learning curve where i had to figure out the cam camera yeah. and the lighting and the editing and all those sides that i hadn't that i just thought oh that'll be easy <laughs> yeah. still figuring out it looks easy to do sure yeah, yeah. I'm, it's gotta be easy. I'm still figuring out the camera and lighting bit to be honest that's why the quality just keeps going up and down i'm just i'm not an expert uh, cameraman and um, and I can't I can't sort of focus on every single part of the process with as much attention as I'd like but overall I'd say 
you know the quality is okay um but yeah the, these days more and more i'm doing it um especially because of the webinars and uh and even and i making weekly member content obviously takes takes mm. time um so i'm trying to speed that up where that will be more more real time so i can't be ideas i plan it and then i just shoot it live uh, and just go with that um doesn't mean occasionally i'll shoot something twice uh you know just think well that first one was all right but maybe i'm not 100 percent happy with it so i'll do the whole thing again uh, <laughs> uh you've got the producer's curse on the go there as yeah. well <laughs> yeah but um but yeah I'm, I'm much happier with it now you know even just doing this kind of thing you know live stuff and it's taken me quite a while to to warm up to that um i was quite i became quite self-conscious many years back and and it, and it really changed how i felt about sort of anything like this being on camera and you know when i wasn't prepared when i wasn't scripted saying that i have prepared something for you which i imagine we'll get onto shortly we haven't really dealt with it all but um do you want me to tell you what oh, also should i tell you what that yeah please <clears throat> yeah that'd be, that'd be awesome. yeah so when you when you said you wanted me to talk about the courses on there i thought okay well so what I've done is I've made a list here of all of the uh, drum and bass producers that we have on the site. And I've kind of, just to make sure I didn't leave anyone out, because we do have a really extensive array of, you know, drum and bass legends, amazing producers. Um, so what I did is I put together a playlist on Spotify that I've called um, the Drop Podcast Playlist. And it has um, pretty much all of the artists that are on our site either old tracks that they made or or newer ones um there's only one or two in there that aren't people that have made tutorials uh people that have made sample packs normally or people that have it's a collab track with with some of the guys that have made tutorials um but yeah it's a i quite i quite like the playlist and it's um starts off slightly slower kind of 140 bpm and ends up with the very last track uh, 100 bpm as well but everything in between is is basically drum and bass albeit in um, different forms. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you like it. Well, I, yeah, I, I really enjoyed making it this morning and listening to it. Uh, some amazing tracks in there. I'm sure, I'm sure you'll know a lot, if not all of them. Um, yeah, I mean, the, um, the, the Rezo um, tutorial that he does for Move. Hmm. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm not even sure that he's making drum and bass anymore. No. So um, no, I remember a little while ago I was listening to the the hospital podcast, yeah. and um, you know Tony Coleman was saying, ah, oh, you know Rezo, come back to us, yeah. Uh, you know I, I don't I don't know what Rezo is is making anymore, but you know you listen to something like uh, like Move, mm. and you know it's an incredibly complex piece of music, yeah, um, and obviously built you know with lots of small moving parts within it, which create this huge sound. Yeah. Um, and it was just amazing to see how that was put together, you know, seeing how his brain works. And I, I just don't even understand how he could have come up with something as as complex as that. You know, it must have taken him hours and hours and hours to, uh, you know, not just to film, but to, you know, to think about and, and put it together. Yeah. So so he came into the website as a sort of um in, a, in an approach that I try and encourage quite a lot of other artists to do now because it's a good way to kind of get going in the tutorial area or even just to find out if you're if you're into it if you if you enjoy making mm. tutorials 
um, with a sort of walk through uh, a successful track you've done and move it obviously was a huge anthem from that album and um, yeah and after that went well and he was he was great uh, he then went into the series of the master classes that I think you said you've seen as well with the beats and bass and yeah melodies and FX I mean they're all fantastic the melodies and FX one I particularly enjoyed I thought that was really really good um, and yeah he he's now because his original background was dubstep and yeah like quite a few of the guys on our site and just drum and bass producers in general uh, and now he's kind of transitioned back into more of a dubstepy area although I'm sure he wouldn't call it dubstep because not so many people do these days one of our other guys does I'll mention in a minute but um he I think they call it more like halftime neuro um so the track that I've got on the playlist is it's called Spectre. It's off his Spectre's EP from last year, from 2019. Okay. Um, and I just think it's a nice one to kind of show what he does. And it's kind of, it's kind of in that sort of transition between his heavier drum and bass and into more of a bass music kind of style. But it's at 140 BPM, so essentially you'd call it dubstep. But when you first listen to it, if you're not really paying attention to the tempo, you might think it's just drum and bass, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, that, that's, a, that's something that I was thinking about a little while ago is, um, uh, you know, are we due a, a new genre or subgenre of, um, you know, drum and bass? And I, I know that, you know, you're not, uh, you know, completely focused on drum and bass of producer tech and, and things like that. Um, but, you know, that, that evolution seems to be taking place, right? It's like that half, that half time neuro as you said you know it's not really dubstep but it's also not really drum and bass and it sort of crept up on us um a little bit and it seems to be that uh i remember years ago when dubstep I, so i first remember listening to dubstep i mean very very shortly after it came out and you know like the original stuff and like had it on vinyl as well right so the original stuff where it was just literally just you know 140 like quite slow like just dubby stuff it wasn't yeah. you know like the uh, what happened to dubstep was skrillex right the, <laughs> yeah um he sort of came on the scene and like americanized it and then everyone suddenly went oh this is what we want to do and you know that was it and it sort of became saturated and nobody really likes it or or um it, you know produces it as much you know you look at the record sales and things like that of, of dubstep it's, it's just like knows it's a very good point it's um, very good point it's, it's kind of I feel in a similar way about drum and bass when when Bad Company came in because Bad yeah. Company kind of came in, dominated, were completely amazing. And then somehow it felt to me at least, or at least my kind of love for drum and bass just sort of died after that. Um, maybe everyone was trying to do stuff a bit like them and everything just got a bit noisy. Um, and, that, and that's definitely when I stepped back after, after that, you know, after the Bad Company kind of phase. Um, yeah, I mean, what um, it, it, a little bit of that is. Um, I don't know if you've seen the the drum and bass arena D and B documentary. I I saw um, a friend posted it around a few days ago, and I, then I saw that you guys had done a, an episode on it, and I, I yeah. meant I meant to watch both, and you know, listen to that episode, watch the documentary, then listen to the episode, and I haven't done either yet. <laughs> but I, yeah. how did you find it? Um, as well, I mean, you'll you'll hear all about it when we when we do the podcast. Um, yeah. Uh, a lot of people got really funny about it, like, you know, because um, the, the major thing was, oh, Brian G wasn't mentioned, V Records wasn't mentioned. Right. 
Um, it, it was, but in a very sort of convoluted way um, is what we eventually agreed upon. Yeah. Um, and um, so there were, obviously they had, you know, DJ Fresh um, and uh, D-Bridge talking about Bad Company. And, you know, it wasn't long after Bad Company sort of became very, very popular yeah. that Pendulum started to make music. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, or rather started to move into the drum and bass scene because obviously Pendulum were, and, uh, you know, little fact for all our uh, listeners out there, um, Pendulum used to be a punk band. Yeah. Um, they, were, they, they were making punk yeah. um, and they made that transition from punk to drum and bass with a live band and, yeah. um, you know, then obviously did the, the DJ and production and stuff. So, yeah, so what happened was is that... Um, uh, pendulum just completely reshaped the sound yeah. and way of making drum and bass or making music and shifting it away from jungle yeah. to a more formalized drum and bass. Mm. And yeah, it was around that sort of time that things did get a little bit muddy, yeah. um, you know, and it, I, I shamefully, um, uh, I shamefully say that um, uh, w w many years ago, I was sort of, uh, as I was traveling and I was chatting to some people in, uh, uh, in a hostel I was staying at in Australia about drum and bass. Yeah. And, um, I was like, uh, you know, drum and bass is dead, man. Like nothing good is being produced at this moment <laughs> in time. And I think that was about the, the mid two thousands, mid to late two thousands or something. Pretty like sure that. I've said exactly and, the um, same thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, uh, and then I, cause I, I did sort of move away from it for a little bit. Um, and then I, you know, I just sort of found my way back to it. I just started listening to some older yeah, stuff. Yeah, very similar, very similar route for me. I, 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 wonder if, I wonder if there was a lot of great drum and bass being made at the time, but everyone was too scared to release it because it didn't sound like Pendulum or Noisier. <laughs> you know, yeah. when these, I think when these people come in and they're just, and they take the production up to that kind of level, uh, everything else will just, you know, pale in insignificance, you know, in comparison. So it, it's like it's really it's really tough when that happens and i think that's happened with probably a lot of styles and even dance music in general um just when the quality is just ramped up and up people find it harder and harder to keep going but just oh just because i i um you were talking about what it is specifically that you make makes you feel like your tracks don't compare to others and i remember back then thinking something and i forgot to say it but You'll see this on the SEPA course. There's a SEPA course that comes out next week, Advanced Production Part 2. So much of it is about saturation, distortion, limiting, compression, all the things that just uh, you know, ramp up these, the level to really, really extreme, yeah. extreme points. Um, and obviously it's not that simple. You can't just, <laughs> you can't just do that. You have to, and, and particularly if you're doing that with sounds with a lot of high frequency content, really full on wide sounds, you have to know what you're doing to know which are the frequencies you want in the mix there. But when I hear a lot, mm. when people send me tracks, the thing that seems to be missing most is often what I would say, parallel compression and saturation. And, and it's even something that I've had missing from my tracks sometimes you think everything sounds great and then you hear someone else's track and go what the how are they and you realize that their stuff is generally just really oversaturated 
um, really heavily compressed, but well, cleverly compressed if it's drum and bass, um, as well as sound selection as well. You have to make sure there's just mm. not too many sounds going on at once when you're making music that's that loud and that full on. Yeah. But yeah, but a lot of it is is down to I think down to sort of compression and saturation and limiting and, uh, and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, again, there's um, some pretty awesome tips there. Um, and again, like I say, especially with drum and bass, it's um, it's one of those things that again, it, there's just so much stuff going on. Yeah. Um, all the time, you know, looking at, um, at Rezo's Move It video. Mm. Um, you know, there's just so much stuff going on all the time yeah. that it can be really sort of difficult to pick out how it's all supposed to sit and sound and, and things like that. As yeah. Well. Um, oh, that's something that I wanted to ask. Oh, you. Yeah. How did you manage to, to get um, uh, the artists to come and do courses for you? Uh, did you just reach out? Um, did they reach out to you? How did, how did that work? Yeah, so um, it's, a, it's a mixture. It's a bit of both. Often, like I said, they've just sort of flowed quite naturally from, from Loop Masters. So they've already made a sample pack and Matt or someone at Loop Masters has sort of said to them, well, why don't you, um, uh, you're interested in making a course, you're interested in showing people how to make music with your, with your sounds. And yeah, if they are, then it will flow quite naturally from there. And that's why we have so many uh, drum and bass producers because Loop Masters has mm. so many drum and bass producers on theirs and they're, they're huge drum and bass fans, um, you know, and yeah. as am I. So so we're, we're real promoters of, of the genre in general and we have yeah a, a huge bank of people to kind of call on and I'm, I'm pleased to say i think some of the best producers um in the business so yeah just um going back to i'll try and kind of transition into some of the stuff i've written down and, and to connect it to the playlist and um going back to what you said about how the the halftime kind of style sort of emerging um and that kind of relates to one of the tracks I've got on the playlist by Fracture. So Fracture, uh, if you haven't heard of him, runs a label called Astrophonica. And he mm -hmm. co-produces a lot with Sam Binger. Yeah. Um, and they've had a new one actually just out called On Right Now um, and Chessington, which is, which is pretty cool. On Right Now is a, a really decent track. And he, he's one of our original course makers. So he, yeah, he'd made a sample pack with Loop Masters. He, came straight to produce tech and made an Ableton live course. Uh, have you seen that one? I don't think so. No. So it's like, in terms of sort of the foundations, it's a fantastic course because it, it really uh, it teaches you some great stuff. It's, you know, a lot of bass layering, keeping the sort of high frequencies in the bass moving around, separating it off from the sub. Um, some real, some excellent techniques for using velocities in um, rhythmic sounds, melodic sounds, and also drums using, you know, velocities to trigger filter frequencies, that kind of thing. So yeah, he did a, he did a um, superb live course and then also a machine course as a follow-up, which is great too. Um, <clears throat> and he, he's one of the guys I actually heard sort of doing this half style earlier than other people. Um, he, there's a track I've put in the playlist called she Want It Rough um, from 2014. And mm. it's just a really lovely sound. It's clean, it's dubby, and it's got that halftime 
groove to it and it's also got quite a cool voc vocal on it it's i think it's these kind of styles that sort of really influence things like reggaeton um and these mm. kind of styles that have started to emerge more recently um so yeah fracture was one who came from loop masters um we had uh color which is yeah. chris octane and liam omelaine uh octane famously produced with um dlr a lot of stuff um and that course was basically a kind of an experiment really uh fly on the wall style those those guys just yeah, make yeah. a track have you seen that one yeah yeah i've watched um a bit of it yeah so it's again like i say i've been focused a lot on like the bass stuff so i've sort of skipped bits and pieces because i've been going through them saying oh you know that bit's about bass and this is a bit about bass so yeah that, that's what i've been focusing on but i should probably go back and watch the whole thing as well to to see how it all goes yeah well those that's we haven't made a course like that since because it's a it's it's more of a real-time studio experience so it's a good one to see and mm. you will definitely pick out great things from it and they do loads of awesome work particularly with foley with like sound effects um yeah. and, the, and the musicality of the track's awesome the production's great but it just takes them quite a long time to get there and, and the <laughs> tutorials cover that whole journey so it's um you know it's not a course we've decided to again we tend to like stuff that's technique heavy and um yeah has the right balance there. So you're not having to sit there for an hour or so before you get a few bits that are like, oh, that's a great technique, you know? So, um, I mean, sometimes it's more techniques than that. And also you do kind of learn a lot from just being in the studio with two, with two pros, you know? Um, but yeah, their, their, their course was definitely a bit of an experiment. Um, and, and not one we, we tend to keep the same format of, but yeah, I, I put a track by Octane in the playlist as well. Uh, it's a single from 2015 called Murmur, um, and it's one he produced with Break and, and DLR. Um, should I keep going through my list? I've got like Icicle. Yeah, yeah. So Icicle um, was probably next, and he came in off the back of his uh, Entropy tour. Yeah. Um, He's another amazing producer. Like, um, I kind of want to put, um, uh, I'd liken him a lot to Mephius? Yeah. Yeah. Like, a really, I just love that sound. And again, like, um, a lot of, I'm sure you do it as well when you listen to music. Mm. Uh, you know, you'll, say, you'll think about it and you'll be like, oh, they, they probably made that using this, or these are the sorts of chords that they've done, or, you know, this is this sound, and I know that they produced this sound by doing this, this, and this. Mm. When I listen to, like, Icicle and Mephius, I'm just like, uh, I, I don't even want to know how they did this because... <laughs> I can't fathom how they can put it together. And so it's just nice to listen to. <laughs> yeah. Know? Well, he's, he's, um, first of all, he's a thoroughly lovely guy. Um, it was a pleasure, pleasure making courses with him and, um, uh, so smiley and, and, and upbeat. And he, um, he does a lot of sound design. So he, he, you know, synthesizes all of his drums. Um, and he shows that on the course. He does a lot of, um, FM techniques to produce really like poppy, snares and kicks um so that's how he sort of creates creates that sort of a sound it's just and that's that's the kind of thing that you learn just how much you can make from sort of fairly clean origins if you have a sound that's um really quite small initially but has just the kind of elements that you want like an fm mm. fm uh, snare or kick which is just you know like a pitch slide essentially going down to a sub or a lower note and you can then ram that through a ton of 
heavier processing <laughs> to get the kind of sound that you're after. You just really kind of overdrive it, saturate it, compress it, and then just play around with the dynamics like transient shaping or something like that to make sure the shape's mm. right. But that's what can kind of give you give you those sorts of drums. Um, and he's done, I think he's done a, some packs on Loop Masters, which are, yeah, well, yeah. Which are kind of those sounds, his, his own synthesized drums and other sounds. Yeah, so he came in and did, a, again, an Ableton Live course and then a Machino one. Um, and I've actually, I've actually put in the playlist a track that he did with Mephius, <laughs> as it happens, oh, as nice. it happens um, from 20, 2017. It's called Efficient. Um, yeah, and we also did a course with Proxima, who's his cousin. Yeah. Have you heard of Proxima? Yeah. Yeah, so he's, um, he's another one that's originally dubstep. Uh, and he did like a neurotech course for us. He's got some great techniques too. Um, a lot of the sound goes into a lot of the sound design as well, but not into crazy amounts of detail with it like Sepa, but, but uh, yeah, but creates a lot of the sounds himself. And he, you can hear that with his style. It's, I really like his style. I think it's brilliant. I, I wasn't sure if he was still bringing out as many tracks, so I checked on Spotify and he had a really good EP in 2020 called Rumination. And I put a track in the playlist called Vulturious, which is a like dubby kind of rolling track with just that kind of real clean precision that, that, he's, um, that he's known for. Nice. Yeah. And then, yeah, there's a few more guys. Uh, Rezo, we've, Rezo, we've mentioned. Um, Nomine. Uh, there's a, a course by him called Jungle Production Fundamentals. Yes, that's right. Yeah, I've seen that. <clears throat> so he's one of the original Metalheads guys, essentially. He, yeah. Yeah, he was down with that crew. And the um, the course is like a really... He's also does teaching. He, do, he was in the middle of a sort of bass tour or something, a kind of around the time when he made the course. Um, and he's a great one for sort of getting a mixture. You get a bit of the history. You learn about the break beats and the sort of original kind mm. of sampling and... So he teaches the techniques as well as the sort of mental kind of ethos, I suppose. And um, yeah, so I threw in a playlist, uh, a track into the playlist from him too, from a 2017 EP called Debt Collector. And the track's called Samurai and it's really, really nice and old school. Um, so yeah, nice. check that one out. And then there's just one guy I just felt like I had to mention because even though he's made no drum and bass courses for us, um, he's done a dubstep one, glitch hop, um, future house even. He's done all sorts of stuff. Uh, and of course on contact. Uh, his name's Dephased. Um, but his his background was actually in neuro DMB, like really heavy neuro DMB. Yeah. Um, so I put a track in the playlist from him from a 2013 sing single called Refinery. His production's, you know, gone even beyond that now and it's gone more into uh, glitch hop sort of more in a, in a tipper kind of direction um which is which is awesome but now he's back into kind of crazy dubstep and he's going to do a mental dub i don't know if you've heard any of this i don't even know what you call it but it's really really heavy insane dubstep which has just just come out now and it's basically heavier than it was before so instead of going uh dubstep's way too heavy and nasty and they're like no let's go let's go even more with this and it's and yeah. it's like he's pushed it towards hard style insane yeah yeah so there's a guy that i did an interview with um a little while ago he's from he's from germany okay um 
Uh, you can see the interview on the uh, on the Amen Breaks uh, blog website. Right. A guy called Epidemics. Okay. And um, he's pro predominantly a dubstep producer. Yeah. Um, and like he does some real, real heavy, like you're talking about stuff there as well. Yeah. Um, so you should definitely go and check out his stuff as well. Like he's an insanely good producer. What was the name again? Let me very, just, very let me make good. a note of that. Epidemics. So E P I D E M I X. Epidemics. Okay. I'll check that out. Um, I'm trying to find the, the dubstep style. Uh, I'm not sure I could find the, uh, annoyingly, I can't find the, the YouTube, uh, link or the or the label name he gave me um it's so oh here we go okay so check out this youtube channel it shouldn't play but i'm just clicking on it to um oh it's just dubstep unk is the okay. youtube channel dubstep and then yeah unk uh he sent me that and i was like what the hell <laughs> Sorry, <please>. <laughs> <laughs> um and at first, you know, personally, it, obviously it's not my, not my preferred style, but it's, um, when I hear it, I do think, eh, some people are going to want to know how to produce that. I mean, I, I, I'm going to watch through it anyway and, and see what I can pick out from it. But there's always stuff to learn from him. Um, yeah. He's a great producer with, with a load of experience. So, so yeah, that's the, and then the, the final one is just Sepa, who he actually, he's the only one who, or one of the, one of the rare ones that came to me from the outside. Actually, DeFaze came from the outside. Came from a friend, a uni friend, friend of a uni friend. Uh, Sepa came from a meeting with Cursor. Have you heard of Cursor? Uh, I think so. I'm not sure. So Cursor is um, an insanely good producer who I met <clears throat> in a Meet Katie's studio when I was in London some years back, and he was playing me some of his recent tracks and they were just insane really really good and he hit me up he's he's done stuff with noisier they had a bit of a um bit of a relationship there uh, with releasing stuff on various labels he's done tons of stuff um he he actually releases a lot of stuff on bandcamp though so you can't necessarily find right. you can't find that much of his stuff uh online but there's a few tracks on spotify so i stuck one in the playlist uh, from him as well, um, but him, both him and Sepa. Sepa's a his kind of producer friend who they run a label called Slugwife together. Okay. Um, which Rezo's also done some stuff with, and they run One K Records as well. It's all Bristol based. Uh, well, Sepa is at least. Um, so, so Sepa's stuff is actually more in the kind of hip hoppy, or or definitely half speed drum and bassy vibe but i put one in the playlist called split um which is off his album split uh which came out this year and yeah it's one of the only drum and bass tracks on the on the album everything else is like cool like like i said hip hoppy um down tempo tempo -y stuff but he he um i threw in right at the end of the playlist his one of his latest hip hop ones which is absolutely phenomenal it's like hopefully going to be the birth of a new genre which is more combining bass music glitch hop and hip-hop so it's getting more vocalists oh, nice. into into the into that kind of a sound i mean obviously some of them might shy away from it because it's not 
so mainstream. It's kind of heavy, too heavy, I yeah. guess, to be mainstream. But it just sounds so cool. The track's called Dripper, and it's it's with a vocalist I think called Rasp Five, um, some guy from New York. But it looks at things I actually just searched for him earlier on, and it's just just awesome. <laughs> so so yeah, Sepa Sepa is fantastic, and his his advanced bass production techniques part two comes out next week. Um, yeah, I'm just finishing the edit now, and then we'll bring that out. And it's just incredible. His his sound design techniques are amazing and i've i've been using his techniques from part one in my production you know since that came out some years ago so in some ways i was thinking earlier in some ways i sort of feel like siler do you ever watch heroes where you just um yeah it's kind of absorbing techniques from all these people yeah uh it makes me feel like that sometimes um but i guess we're all like that aren't we yeah i mean at the end of the day like um if you want to be able to make good music, there are certain things that you that you have to do, right? And it's about um, using the techniques and manipulating them uh, to get where you want to go. That, that's something that uh, that Rezo uh, said in his course. Uh, there's, there seems to be um, this sort of taboo in music production where um, it's like you shouldn't use samples yeah you should create all your own sounds and things like that yeah um you know and rezo said because he just he was just taking stock um sounds and you know changing them a little bit and he was like well of course you have to use them because how else are you going to do it uh, you know yeah you you can't fm synthesize everything <laughs> you know no one has that kind of <laughs> so, time yeah 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 well the loop loop cloud so, um loop cloud has transformed my personal production experience more than anything else um in recent history uh more than ableton live even i think ableton live was a big point when i when i got into that in 2004 whatever it was that was a that was like a big deal particularly because i was doing live mm. live stuff at the time so so that was great but um yeah but since then nothing has really yeah changed the way i make music more than loop cloud um and and I think also being encouraged by Simon Shackleton, who's um, a producer on the site as well, who makes mel melodic techno. Um, mm -hmm. uh, he, his course is great, and it's have you seen that one? That one's like a humongous course. It's uh, each part's sort of six hours, so it's like eighteen hours in total. But this, oh, wow. but this one is technique heavy. <laughs> this one is that, yeah. Uh, and just the knowledge that guy has. So if you want to learn. Um, you know what you really need to do to make your mixes sound good that's that's the course to check out but he he uses a lot of samples it's all just very careful selection of samples um mm. and yeah i think you're right and sometimes people are like oh i, sh I can't do that I can't use well, everyone else's sounds but uh it's just the artful combination of samples that makes your sound unique unless you like we say unless you have the time to design everything yourself which few people do I think a lot more of us we just produce with samples that we find, samples that we kind of create by layering sounds together, um, tiny bits of sound design here and there. Generally, I'd say if, if you know, particularly if you want to do something a bit more functional, like getting a sub layer or, or getting a pad of some kind, you know, um, where there's a specific spot in the frequency spectrum that you want to kind of fill up. Um, then that's where the sound design comes into play more. Or maybe if it's a riser you want to create 
It doesn't need to be too complex or anything. Those are the times when I guess I do probably the most sound design. But, um, but the SEPA course has inspired me. Now I'm like, as soon as I watch a course like that, I think, right, I'm going <laughs> to... Especially the way he makes, um, not just the bases, but the way he makes the uh, kind of leads or um, delay effects, he calls them, sort of um, additional delay textures, I think, is the module. And it's, yeah, the way he just takes an original sound or an original basic preset or something like that, you know, runs it through insane effects um bounce you know records it onto a track and then and then just selects the bits that he that he the little magic moments in there essentially that's what a lot of these bass music guys do they either they either create stuff that way or they just i probably spent ages going through sounds but i think most of the time they they do techniques like that until they find bits that are like what How? that's amazing <laughs> they just take those bits and, and work them into their track in an artful way and that's what what makes the music so amazing. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Um, well, we, we've come to the end of our uh, allotted time for today, um, but I would love to say thank you once again for coming on the show and talking to me. Um, like I say, I've been a, a huge fan of, of producer tech for a long time, um, and I'm so glad that I took up the opportunity to use the platform in its entirety Great. And, uh, and get everything out of it that I have. Um, it's been amazing to speak with you and thank you for putting that, um, that playlist together. I'm going to go and check it finish out. this and I'm, then I'm going to go and listen to it. Right <laughs> <away>. <laughs> awesome, man. Yeah, check it out. Um, I'll just say one thing just because I, I, I didn't manage to squeeze this in. I was going to say, oh, mention the fact that you had a conversation with LTJ Bookham earlier this week because it just feels like it feels oh, like the right cool. thing to say that he's a really lovely guy and he's and he's on the site he's one of our members um oh, yeah awesome. so he's um it's you know it's I think it's a good thing for people to know that they have that we have um pro artists and, and DJs on the site using it as well it's not just people starting out or anything like that it's a real like rich community of all sorts of different people um so yeah, yeah, that was a quite a cool coincidence. I just thought I'd I'd slip in there, um, but yeah, it's been a real pleasure, man. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, so, uh, if you are not a member of uh, Producer Tech, I and you want to start making music, get in there, start using it. It's it's a, it's amazing, honestly. Um, a truly, truly amazing educational experience for all kinds of stuff. It's not just about drum and bass. It is obviously um, all kinds of music um, and you know this community here hopefully today everyone has um, you know gotten a little bit more insight into into the company into the business into the, the processes and things like that so um, yeah I urge anyone and everyone who's got even just the smallest amount of um, idea inkling to, to go and make some music um, to go and check it out again even if you are um, a uh, an established musician um, as you can see, you know, you've got people like LTJ Buchan using the, um, using the, the website. So you're never too old or never too good to, to learn from, from everybody else. So go away and use that sign up and, um, uh, get better at music. Really hope you enjoyed this show. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Amen Breaks UK. And don't forget to follow Diligent Fingers on Instagram at Diligent Fingers. Please, guys, if you've got anything you want to share with us, anything that you'd like us to cover, send it in to contact at amenbreaks.co.uk. Okay.